So Colossians chapter 4, just reading verses 2 through 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And then if you are quick and you can flip across to Ephesians chapter 6, just one verse from Ephesians 6 verse 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And I'm going to pray now for David as he comes to speak. Father we thank you for the gift of your word that it teaches us about you and how great you are and it teaches us about how we should live as your children. So we pray as David opens your word to us now this morning that you will, your spirit will empower him with the words that you want him to say and that we need to hear. And we pray that you will give us open ears and receptive hearts to what you want us to learn today so that we might represent Jesus well as we live out as your children in this world. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, good morning everyone. It's good to be back with you and uh, after I've shared a message on prayer, we're going to have another members meeting. Aren't we all very excited about that? <laughs> we're looking forward to that. Um, we're making progress and, uh, and what part of the uh, progress we're making and part of the progress we want to make is actually getting in touch with what God wants for this church and so I wanted to actually share about prayer and talk about what it means to seek God's guidance through prayer and listen to him. I want to start off with a, a story about... Um, I'm going to turn this screen around so I can see what I'm doing. About an experience I had in Brazil. I thought it would be appropriate. Seems what's going on in Brazil at the moment. Um, I was appointed as international president back in 2003 at a conference where we were attending in Youth for Christ at, at Brazil um, in a place called Belo Horizonte. Uh, and and uh, that is actually where one of the... the uh, centres for the events um, and so we were at this conference and this young man was asked to share his story uh, and uh, to talk about how he came to, uh, to know Jesus and where do I am this thing to make it work? Oh, there you go and there he is, his name's Rodrigo. And so we were in the middle of a business session and uh, actually I just, they just decided that I, I should be president and uh, they prayed for me and then this guy got up to share his story and, um, and he talked about how he grew up on the streets of Rio and how he was estranged from his family at a very young age and just had to survive and the only way that young people can survive on the streets is through crime and he became very good uh, as a leader in one of these gangs and at the age of about 16 was one of the senior leaders senior leaders in one of the biggest gangs in Rio and they uh, used to go into these games these soccer games in Rio um, and if you've ever been to a soccer game in Rio I guess probably none of you have but uh, you know when you go they say take your watch off take your wallet out of your pocket just you'll have a ticket that's all you want to take in there and it's just crazy it's just bedlam and what happens is 
what was happening with, with uh, Rodrigo was his gang would go into the soccer games and they supported one of the teams and the other gangs would go in the other side of the stadium and they'd support the other team and his job was to smuggle all the weapons into the game inside the drums that they would beat and then afterwards they'd come out and he was the person who led the battles on the streets outside of the stadium and they would fight each other and they'd have knives and machetes they couldn't afford guns so they just usually had those sort of weapons and they'd have these great big street battles and he was the leader of his gang in those street battles very proficient at all the weapons that they used a lot of them martial arts type of weapons anyway one day these five women walked down his street where he lived in this little tin shed that was in the slum area and they walked up to him and they said Rodrigo we are youth for Christ prayer mothers and we're going to be praying for you from now on every day and Rodrigo said he, if anybody else had actually walked down his street in the first place he wouldn't have even asked questions but if they'd said that to him they would have killed him but he said how can you kill a mother so he told them he didn't care what they wanted to do just get off his street he didn't care what they did they could pray they could do anything alright just get out of his neighbourhood it was a couple of weeks after that that Rodrigo was in a soccer game he came out they got into a big street battle he got isolated from the rest of his gang members and he got stabbed and beaten and hit with machetes and was left laying on the side of the road in a pool of blood his gang members came afterwards and they saw he was still breathing so they dragged him up to the local hospital and dumped him at the door and he woke up in his hospital bed and he looked around his bed and there were five women kneeling by his bed and these were the prayer mothers and he said I looked into the eyes of these prayer mothers and I saw the eyes of Jesus and he said I gave my life to Jesus now Rodrigo went back to Rio after that and he got involved in doing stuff with Youth for Christ he started reaching all these gang members he was a leader and uh, by this stage when he was sharing this story he, um, he had seen a lot of other gang members come to Jesus come to know Jesus and uh, he was studying engineering at university part time and doing Youth for Christ part time so the conference came to an end and we hopped on a bus and we went from Bella Horizonte down to Rio and it was quite a trip so we were sitting there and Rodrigo was in the bus with us so Jenny and I were chatting to him and asking him you know about his studies and, and uh, we asked him you have, you know, are you have a girlfriend are you going to get married sometime and, that? and he says oh no and we said oh well we've got this daughter you know Tracy and um, as soon as we said that this woman this woman is sitting behind him starts speaking to us half in English half what's this daughter you talk about what's this daughter you're half in Portuguese half in English and we're going whoa you know <laughs> this was his prayer mother see what happened was once somebody came to Jesus one of the prayer mothers would adopt them and they would pray for them for the rest of their life and disciple them and so she'd come with Rodrigo to make sure that he was prayed for while he shared at this conference and she was making sure that we weren't offering some daughter that wasn't appropriate <laughs> for her adopted son you know um, how did those prayer mothers come together the national director uh, Marcelo da Silva 
was going to a church to speak one day and he said, I've got all this work going on and I just don't seem to be getting anywhere and I don't know what to do and I'm going to talk to these people about how they should care about young people and as he was thinking about it before he got up to speak, the Lord said to him, you need people to pray. You don't have enough people praying. You're not coming to me and asking me. You're not going into this battle in the way that I've asked you to battle for the lives of these kids. And so he got up and he was thinking as he gets up, who are the people who will pray if I ask them to? Who are the people who care the most about kids? And he thought, the mothers. So he said, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'm not going to. I'm going to talk about prayer today and I'm going to put a challenge out to you at the end of of this service. I'm going down the back and have a bit of paper and any of you mothers that want to commit to praying for young people on a daily basis every day, when you get out of bed in the morning, I want you to pray for the young people. I want you to come and put your name on this list and your contact details. And all these mothers came down and put their names on the list. And so he started sending out communications to them and and challenging them to keep their commitment and so he thought well that worked so he went to another place and he went to another church and he went to another place and he started recruiting all these women and he called called them the Deborahs and uh, it was a wake Deborah he called this program and there's a story about Deborah praying in the Bible and and so this became a movement and one of the Deborahs came to me one day and says Marcelo can I organise this for you and he did and she did and, and it grew and this Operation Deborah and this Wake Deborah program became the driving force behind the work in Brazil. And um, by the time I was uh, getting connected with Brazil there was, there was tens of thousands of these women and uh, currently there's 100,000 of them and they, they are the absolute backbone of the ministry. They actually drive the ministry in Brazil. Now, if Marcelo had come to me as the international president of Youth for Christ and said, I've got an idea about how to reach the young people of Brazil. I'm going to go to the mothers and get the mothers mobilised. I would have said, well, no, that doesn't, that's not how we do it. You know, we get out there, we have other young people reaching young people. It, you know, it was a crazy idea. But, but through prayer that these young people were under Jesus. And these mothers, they would go around, they work out who are the worst leaders in the young people in our streets. We'll go and target them and we'll pray them into the kingdom. And there was a great advancement of the gospel in Brazil and there still is today. In fact, in the last presidential election, there were two women who were running. One of those women was one of these prayer mothers. In the middle of her campaign, she attended uh, a a Wake Deborah conference where it was 10,000 women. And, and she interrupted the whole campaign. Well, guess where all the media were going? They went and they actually took pictures of her at this prayer conference, all these women praying. It's on the national news. She didn't get elected president. The actual person that got elected president is causing all kinds of problems because they found her she's corrupt and I'm sure you've heard about how Brazil is in an absolute mess. But she took time out from her campaign and guess what? The whole of Brazil know about prayer mothers. Prayer is the absolute essential element of us achieving anything in the kingdom. And when uh, Jenny read these words, you'll notice that devote yourself to prayer, be watchful and thankful, but this this is again essential, as Paul points out, for the door to be open for our message, for us to be effective in sharing Christ with others. And pray that he, he might proclaim it clearly, that it won't be garbled. Prayer is essential 
to us achieving the things that Jesus has called us to achieve, the Great Commission. So first of all, prayer, what is it? It's communion with God. It's actually uh, us communicating with God and us connecting with God in relationship. And it's much about, it is as much about listening as it is about telling God. Now, when I was uh, a pastor of a church, I was young, I was still in my 20s and I was trying to work out how to do this thing. I'd, we'd lived on Aboriginal community for four years and I'd done some more theological studies and then I'd come back and got this little church and I was pastor and I was wrestling with how to do this and I, so I just worked out this really important devotional sort of life and, um, and so I used to practice that. I used to get up early in the morning and then I would read the Bible and I'd pray for as long as I could, 10 minutes, uh, and then I'd get into the ministry. Well, after I'd been there six years and I'd sort of got this down to a habit, uh, I was appointed as the Youth for Christ Director of Melbourne Youth for Christ and then I became the Australian Director and I was still doing things the same way all those years. Then one day I had a huge problem with people now, if you're going to have any problems in the kingdom and any problems in the ministry, it's usually people are going to be the problem. And I had this really big problem. People are our most valuable asset. They also can be our biggest problem. And I had this huge conflict and, and a really difficult situation at, at work. So, uh, in the morning, I was, um, I'd worked out by then that uh, you know, I couldn't get everything done. So... I would read the Bible and I wanted to exercise at the same time, you know, because as you get older you realise you've got to keep your body together, so you've got to exercise and so I started running, jogging around the block. Well, I couldn't fit it all in, so I thought, oh, I'll do, I know what I'll do, I'll pray and I'll jog at the same time. There you go, I've got it all covered. So off I am, I'm jogging away and I'm telling Jesus again about all the problems in my life and how he needed to fix them all. You need to do this, Lord. I was giving him, the, I was giving him his instructions for the day, and off I'm going, running around saying, "Jesus, you need to do this. You need to sort this out. Actually, we need some more money in YC." And you know, and I was giving, and all of a sudden, it, it, you know, there are moments in your life, maybe you've not experienced it, but it's almost as though God audibly speaks to you, and He said, "David, shut up." <laughs> I, and I just, that was, I stopped talking to him. And um, I go, okay. <laughs> anyway, so I kept running. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so the next day, I got it. I, I sort of got it. I've got to listen. I've got to listen. God wants me to listen. So off I went and I didn't say anything to him. And all of a sudden, this thought came into my head about a solution for this problem at the office with these staff. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. That won't work. And I ran around and, and, and it's, it was clear this is, this was the Holy Spirit and I, I, I'm thinking this, this is going to aggravate everything. It's going to actually cause enormous grief if I did this. But I was that convicted that I should do it. I went to the office and I did what I thought God was saying for me to do and sure enough it fixed the problem immediately. It actually put God's finger on the thing in this person's life that I knew nothing about that I couldn't know anything about. And, and the response was, how did you know? How did you know that? So, that was the moment in my life when I realised that prayer is a whole lot more about listening than it is about telling God how he should behave and what he should be doing for us. 
It's really, these verses really make sense when you think of that. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This should be our prayer. Lord, speak to me. Prayer is an act of obedience. We're um, told that we're to pray. We're actually commanded to pray. Now, commands in the context of Australian culture don't really work very well. Nobody likes to be told what to do, especially Australians. Um, and I think we struggle a bit with this in the Australian culture. But these are commands that God has given us, that Jesus has given us. We're commanded to pray. We're commanded to pray continually. Thessalonians. And we're told in Ephesians, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests, prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. When Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer, he didn't say, if you pray. He said, when you pray. When you pray. So Jesus assumed that we're going to pray. If we're going to be a follower of him, we're going to pray. And we're commanded to pray. So it's an act of obedience. It's actually saying, oh, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you want to obey Jesus, we should be praying. We should be communing with God. It should be part of our daily life. Now, prayer is also powerful and effective. Does it make it a difference when we pray? Does it? How many of us believe it makes a difference? How many of us have seen the difference that prayers make? Some people I've met who have been Christians for all their life, when you ask them honestly, have you ever seen any difference that your prayers have made? I've heard, actually had people say, well, I don't think so. I had somebody tell me recently, not too long ago, that... Um, they didn't believe much in prayer anyway and then I said, well, why do you pray? And they said, oh, well, it's just a way that we come together and, and we show that we care. They've lost any kind of belief that prayer could make a difference. Do we believe that prayer can make a difference? Because one of the things we need to do as a church here is to pray. If we think that it's going to make a difference, can it make a difference? We're told that the prayer of a righteous man or a prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective and we're also told in James that Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. And what's this saying? Any human being who follows Jesus can be just like Elijah in seeing answer to prayer. So I want to go back to the story of the prayer mothers because you know it kept growing in the ministry and we got involved and then we went in that time we were at Brazil we had this amazing uh, worship led now Brazil is a very multicultural society you've got people who are fair fair skin, red hair and then really you know dark skin and, and all kinds of a kaleidoscope of people in Brazil and they're all fantastic people to be with. Jenny and I love going to Brazil. We actually love Rio. We don't feel unsafe in Rio and we, don't, we didn't get shot and, um, and we did climb up and nothing was stolen. Um, and they're just happy, exciting people to be with. But when they do worship, when they, these were the most talented worship leaders that we've ever experienced and they led us into worship like never before and they could sing in five different languages and it was just fantastic. And I, I was responsible as the president to organise the next conference that was going to be in America. So I said, 
we need to have you there. Well, sure, we'll come. So, uh, of course, then I realised that that was a little statement that I made and that we would sponsor that to happen and then I had to get visas for them. And these people, when we tried to apply for visas, boy, did we run into some problems because they were the most flight-risky people around. They were, most of them were single, they didn't have any income, they had no permanent job, you know, they weren't support. I mean, they were the people who were least, least likely to come back once they went to America. So it was really hard getting them visas. So we got the prayer mothers on the job. If they can achieve anything, these prayer mothers, and we had them praying for them and they all went down to, to uh, Rio and they went into the American consulate and they went up inside and Marcelo, the national director, was with them and they had all these forms that they sent in and they had their interview and there was, I think it was about 10 of them in the room and they all go in the room to get an interview and this guy looks at them and he says, why, why would I let you into America? And he got all of their things, all of their forms and screwed them all up and threw them in the bin. Now, they didn't know what they were meant to do. So, they just sat there. And he didn't say anything. He screwed on for him and then he just sat there. And uh, they said it was a long five-minute silence. And all of a sudden, he bent down and he pulled these things out of the bin without saying anything and he flattened them all out on his desk and he got the stamp, approved, 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 and he gave them to him. He didn't say anything. And they walked out with approved visas. They went back to Belo Horizonte and the prayer mother, the queen of the prayer mothers, as one of the young people once told me, they told the story and she said, when did that happen? And they told her the time that it happened and she said, oh, I was walking around all the prayer mothers who were praying and I suddenly felt the Holy Spirit telling me, put your hand on this lady and whatever she's just prayed, and that's what she said, whatever you just prayed, God has answered. And this woman had prayed, Make the man who is assessing those visas give him approval. <laughs> now, that's a miracle. That's an answer to prayer. And in, in the context of Youth for Christ, we've got these people all over the world who have nothing and they've got all kinds of challenges. I just kept coming across answers to prayer all the time. That's a miracle. It's right at exactly the same time. You can't explain it any other way. God answers prayers. Sometimes we just don't have enough faith and maybe we're even taking the wrong approach in our prayers. Now prayer is also a way in which we get aligned with God's will. It's not a means to get God to do something for us. Prayer is not a means to get God to do something for us. First and foremost, it's alignment of our will with God's will. It's not aligning God's will with ours. And I think if you assessed your prayers... How often is it, this is how we reckon the world should be, this is how my world should be, God, and this is what I want you to do for me. How often are we going to God with an agenda about our world and our will? This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So, what should we pray what should we pray? Well, the first thing we should pray is, Lord, help me to be, know what your will is. Prayer is much more about listening than it is about telling God, about demanding from God, about asking him to do all these things. And we need to learn how 
to listen. We need to learn how to have our will suppressed and God's will elevated. We need to know what God's will is. So I was um, practicing this listening and I have tried to do that now in my life ever since that experience. And um, God gave me the gift of insomnia. <laughs> I used to be out, when I was in my late 20s, I used to go up with one of the YC people and we'd drink buckets of coffee before we went to bed and I'd go to sleep and I'd actually wake up at a reasonable hour in the morning. I couldn't do that anymore. And uh, I would go to sleep, at, okay, and then I'd wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I couldn't go back to sleep. And, and, I, and, I, and I would listen to God. That was, that's my listening. It's quiet. And I'd spend that time listening. I started listening to God rather than telling him all the stuff. And, and in the end, rather than cursing the fact that I couldn't sleep, I, I celebrated that I could listen to God. I had these moments. And so I was able to practice, and I have been, and I still do, practice active listening. And it's those moments that I would get clarity. It's those moments when I was thinking about something, God would speak to me so clearly. And just before I left this role of, uh, of being leader of Youth for Christ, there were many things that we got done in the 10 years we were in that leadership role. We were 25 years in Youth for Christ. That 10, 10 years was just a wonderful journey of seeing God grow the ministry enormously, of being part of something that God was doing. Uh, we mobilised prayer. We ended up with 237,000 prayer intercessors praying. Uh, we communicated with them weekly and they prayed on a daily basis for our ministry and it was just all powered by prayer. And, and Well, it was getting towards the end of that and there were still some things that I just thought I wanted to leave. And one of the things was a legacy of the capacity for this ministry to do the, these, these, or take up these amazing opportunities that were out there and, um, and so it's the end of, towards the end of 2013 and I'm laying there one night awake and Lord clearly spoke to me he said David do you remember those two people you met those two leaders I met two leaders that year and both of them had said to me we have just received a million dollar gift we've never had that before and it's actually changed our capacity to do it's really we, we felt we were ready and, and the Lord said to me I think you should be praying for a million dollars you should be talking to me about a million dollars I said well that's easy I can do that so I did I started saying Lord thank you for that it um, would be great if you gave us a million dollars then he said to me uh, and, and look I, how he talks to me I mean, you, this is a thing that I think we've all got to learn how to listen and I can explain that in more detail but we don't have time but um, then he says to me now I I want this to be no doubt that you are praying for this and you're asking me to do it and you're not doing anything about it. So you're not allowed to ask anybody for that million dollars. Okay, <laughs> so I'll just pray for a million dollars and won't ask anybody. <laughs> and that's not how it works. You know, you go out and you say to people, this is what I think we want to do. Would you be able to help? Don't ask anybody. Okay. Well, that was fine. Then he said, now I want you to share what you're doing with everybody. Well, it was okay up until I was okay for me to pray privately that I get a million dollars and I thought God was actually wanting to give us a million dollars and I wasn't allowed to ask anybody. But then to start sharing this, so I went to Jenny and I said, this is what I think God's saying and I want to share this. I'm going to write it in my news, 
prayer letter to everybody. I'm going to share it with the board. She said, what? <laughs> well, that's brave. <laughs> so I did. I said, all right. Uh, this is what I think God I really believe this this is what God wants to do he's asked me to pray for this I'm not allowed to ask anybody I said this to her at a board meeting and I said it in a letter and, uh, and my finance director came in and said are you nuts? And, and it was it was actually the last day of that board meeting that somebody walked into my office and said David I believe God wants me to give Youth for Christ a million dollars and by the time we left, we had a million dollars. Now, that took years of learning to listen to God. But it was his will. It wasn't my idea. I was just saying, Lord, I just want to leave a really... Uh, I, I want these things, see these things um, done. You know, and I just feel that I know I've got to go, but I want, I'd love to leave some kind of resources to be able to do that. And he said, well, no, it's me to look after that. We've got to learn to listen. Most of our time should be listening to God. And prayer with each other is important. These verses that most of you probably know, again, I tell you that two, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them and here's something that talks about corporate prayer that Jesus said get together agree together and as we agree together something happens now I guess you've heard this before we need to get more people to pray about this we used to say stuff like that in Easter Christ and our idea the rationale behind that was you get more people to pray it's more likely to happen we had, again got it messed up. It was, okay, clearly just me and my mates aren't enough to convince God so we'll get a whole lot of people telling God what we need and then he'll be convinced and we'll be able to swamp him with numbers and then everything will happen the way that it should. Is that, is that right? doesn't sound right. But that's really when we start thinking about it. Well, we need to get more people to pray. Why? Because then it's going to happen. No. I don't think that's what the intent of the Bible is. Two things. I think we need to get more people to pray so that we've got more people listening. So that we know what God's will is. I've found that I get convinced of God's will when I hear something and then somebody else over here who's praying about this and listening to God come back and say, I think God's saying this. And then somebody over here says the same thing and somebody over here, when everybody's hearing the same thing, then maybe we can say, alright it's just not my silly idea it seems like God is saying the same thing to everybody but if you haven't got people as part of a corporate prayer strategy listening to God and sharing what God is saying you can't do that for me it's a way to validate God's will and again it's back to listening and we had 237,000 people globally listening to God and we had lines feeding back to us to hear what God was saying it wasn't here's our prayer request for this Weak, go out and pray and try and convince God to do this. It was, what do you think God is saying to us as a movement? It's a whole lot more about listening. And that's, I think, one of the values of corporate prayer. The other value of corporate prayer is this. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rules and authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. And at the end of those passages it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests, with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Now this is the mystery of prayer. Things happen, and we're told this, things happen in the heavenly realms that we have no understanding about. But when we go in to pray for the things that God has asked us to pray about, we go into a spiritual battle. And there's a mystery about that that we don't understand. But we are told <coughs> that Jesus said this needs a lot more prayer. <coughs> we know there's a big spiritual battle going on and the way we do battle in the spiritual realms is to mobilise prayer and use prayer as a powerful weapon. So coming together to pray is a way to actually fight the battle. And when you think of an army going against another army, the more soldiers you've got, the better off you're actually going to be in the battle. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about prayer and going in to fight for the kingdom and to fight the enemies who are against us, to fight the ultimate enemy of Satan. We can't do that without prayer. And prayer is the way in which we mobilise God's forces that we're connected with to fight those spiritual battles. So corporate prayer is not about convincing God to do things. It's about listening to him and about fighting the spiritual battle for the lives of those people who he's asked us to reach. So when we get into this process we're going to go through, we're going to be asking you to listen. We're going to be asking you to feed back to the working group what you're hearing. This is so much part of what we have to do because if you... If you want to do the will of God, we need to know what that is. And what is the will of God for this church? That's one of the things that we want to discover. If you want to know what the will of God is, read the Bible. What are we told? We're told that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come salvation. So we know that we should be fighting for that, seeking that, doing that. But what does that mean here in this context? How do we fulfil God's will, which is clearly described in the Bible, specifically in these contexts and I believe that's what God wants to tell us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you loved us and you came and you died for us and Father God, we thank you that you do listen to us and that you do speak to us. Help us to listen. Help us to know your will and help us to be obedient. We pray this in your name. Lord Jesus, Amen.